0: You heard me say just a few minutes ago when I was talking to the kids about the Advent wreath that today is the Sunday of love. This is the the day in the Advent calendar when we focus on the love of God and and the love between humans. And uh, what I didn't say to the kids because it would have just brought confusion is that there are some churches who teach that that the Love Sunday is actually the Sunday just before Christmas. And it doesn't really make any difference. It's tradition. We have love, hope peace and joy and so we're doing love today we're doing peace on the sunday before christmas other churches around the world uh as a matter of fact uh our sister church in fairbanks is today is the peace sunday and he's preaching about peace and I, when we were talking yesterday at the pastor's meeting i went it's not the peace sunday it's a love sunday i didn't say it to him and he was like yeah it's all about peace and i went Oh, wait a minute. And I forgot. Literally, it depends on which list you're looking at. So I don't want to confuse anybody. For those of you who have traditions that follow the Advent calendar, um, some churches use the second Sunday in Advent as the Love Sunday. Some use it as the Peace Sunday. Today, for us, it is the Love Sunday. And having said that, I want to give you a definition. Now, this is a definition I cannot point to the source because... It is out of my journal from 1978. (laughs) This is back when I was a little baby boy, age 19. And I was reading through this in preparation for this sermon. And I had totally forgotten about this entry. But on 23rd of April 1978 at 930 in the morning, I wrote um, a lot of stuff that you're not going to hear. But uh, (laughs) I'm being vulnerable this morning. I'm reading out of my journal, but there's some stuff you're never going to read until I'm dead. But anyway, but as part of the prayer, the Bible study that I did that weekend, because I was at a retreat or something that weekend, I wrote this. Agape love, A-G-A-P-E. It looks like a gate, but it's agape love. Not rejecting people for who they are but loving them for who they can be. Not rejecting people for who they are, but loving them for who they can be. One of the most, one of the standard definitions of agape is that you 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 love them unconditionally. You love them with the love of God. Um, it is the deepest, richest, most sincere, purest, holiest form of love. And, I wanted you to keep that in mind as we start this. Now comes the vulnerable part. It is June 19th, 1978. I left Monterey, California, on May 21st, after finishing the play Once Upon a Mattress, in which I starred. (laughs) I was leading role leading in that. But I didn't write that down because I knew that. <laughs> and I arrived in Texas at Goodfellow Air Force Base on May the 23rd. And God has been working in my life and I give him praise because I really feel that I am in the center of his will. I'm going to the First Church of the Nazarene and I won't tell you, the I, I didn't put it in here, but you need to know, I, at that point in my life, Prior to June of 1978, I thought the Church of the Nazarene was a cult. And um, I had fought for months when I was in Monterey. No, I'm not going to go to your church. No. But finally, this guy forced me to promise that when we got to Texas, I would go at least once. So I went once. And I've been with it ever since. So. I really feel I'm I'm in His will. I'm going to go to the I'm going to the First Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Gilly and his wife are so neat. Um, And you're going to learn that at the age of 19, I use the word neat a lot. Um, They've taken me in as their son. And what's really neat is that they have a daughter named Renee. She's 18 and blonde and beautiful. I met her May 24th, but I figured that she had a boyfriend. Well, it turned out she didn't, because on June 1st, 1978, we were at a party for the youth group at the church, and afterwards, actually we were the last two to leave, I asked her if she wanted to go out for a Coke, because I'd been broke lately, and she said yes, and we went out. After driving her car to her house, we then took my car to Sambos. And I didn't put it in the journal, but I thought when when I, when I said, you want to go for a Coke, she said, I'd love to. And I, she said, oh, wait a minute. I drove my parents' car here. And I was like, ah. And she said, well, why don't we do this? Well, you can follow me to my house, and then I'll just ride with you in your car to Sambos. I was like, okay. And as we're driving, I'm like, she's making this so easy. This is cool. <laughs> anyway, we got in my car. And then we went over to Sambo's, and then we drove back to her house and we sat in my car and we talked and talked and talked and talked. And as usual, I was scared to make a move, but that's a good thing, I guess. Anyway, I finally got to the topic, turned around and I told her that I liked her. And she told me she liked me. And that's been our relationship since. And then I'll skip. And then... uh, (laughs) After lunch... I was laying on the couch at her parents' house and I had my feet laying on Renee's lap and she was writing on the back of one of her senior pictures. It was a three by five and I thought it was going to be for her friend Joyce and I was wishing inside that I could have one and all of a sudden, Renee handed the photo to me. It made me feel so good. Thank you, Jesus, for her. She makes me feel so good. Please let me trust you with this relationship. Oh God, inside I keep thinking how neat it would be to be married to Renee, but I've only known her in such a little while. It's just less than a month and I don't want to mess up this relationship. Please help me to leave this in your hands. Jesus, I want my life to be fully in your control. You are my Lord and I want to trust you in every step of the way. Please God, help me to grow closer to Renee, to grow closer to you. And to just live as pure and righteous and holy a life as you are able to allow me to live, please let me be open to your spirit and follow what you say. Help me to get into your word more. Thank you, Father. And then, Mama G, that's Renee's mom, Mama G invited Joyce, Renee's friend, over for the evening. And it was enjoyable. Mama G and I talked about our feelings over teenage marriages. We agreed mostly, and we both feel that if you, have, if you love someone enough to marry them, then that love will last and there's no need to rush into marriage. Still my feelings... I was really interesting as I was reading this because I was like, I didn't realize how manipulative her mother was being in that point in my life. She was just engaging me in a normal conversation but she was getting her point across. There's no reason for you two to rush into anything. After all, you're just 19. Still, my feelings are that I want Renee now. Anyway, Joyce and Renee and I and Jimmy, a friend of mine, and Mama G and Papa G, we all went out for a walk in the neighborhood. It was neat. And when we got back, Joyce and Renee and I went out and we laid on the front lawn under the stars. It was neat. Renee and I were in each other's arms and I was nibbling at her ear and her cheek and Joyce was really cool about it. And I'm going to miss Joyce. She's leaving tomorrow to go to Tinker Air Force Base. She's a really neat lady. Sorry. (laughs) I hope we stay in touch. Anyway, about 12.45 in the morning, Joyce and I needed to leave and head back to the base. So I kissed Renee goodbye. And she said, good night. I love you. That's the first time she's ever said that to me. I told her that I loved her too and then I left. I've been holding back on saying those words, I love you, because I don't want to just throw those words around. I want to mean them. Anyway, I think I do mean them. So I said, I love you, Renee. And then, three months later, we went to the layman's retreat, and it was excellent. Not just me. I asked Jesus to marry me. Excuse me, I asked Renee to marry me. (laughs) And after thinking and praying about it all day, now, listen to this. I asked Renee to marry me at nine in the morning. And after thinking and praying about it all day, she finally came that evening and said yes. That was a hard day. When she said yes, I was in my bunny foo-foo outfit for the play that we were doing. And she said that she had always wanted a rabbit of her own. Anyway, we're now engaged, and I praise the Lord. I love Renee so much. I can't wait to hear from her on Saturday. She was at college, and I was in Texas. Um, anyway, I think I'll close now. Starting tomorrow, I'm going to write in this every day, like I should be. Blah 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 blah. So that was our the first three months dating and learning how to get negotiate the relationship, and finally saying I love you, and then. Actually, three months in, we got engaged. And the girls at the college that Renee went to to hated Renee because every single month on the first of the month, she got roses because we started our first... Our relationship was on the 1st of June, 1978. So on the 1st of July, I gave her a rose. On the 1st of August, I gave her two roses. On the 1st of September, I gave her three roses. And after it got to 12 roses, I had to switch from long stem roses to miniature roses because I could not afford... 13, 14, 15, but she got, a, she got a bouquet of roses every single month on the 1st and the girls in the dorms hated her um, for it. So, this is too to live, so. But anyways, I wanted you to hear that because we're going to be looking at a, a, a young couple in just a second who went through exactly this in their world. So turn with me now to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we're reading from uh, verse 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, actually fiancé at that point, Joseph, Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But after he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall have, he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Do we have any children present? She's young enough, it's not a problem. Okay. When I was in Bible college, about 20 years after this journal was first started... I was seeing a therapist as part of my training. I was, uh, my bachelor's degree is in Christian counseling, and my training required me to go through a minimum of 10 individual therapy sessions so that I would learn what it means to go through therapy, to see as, as a patient and to also observe the therapist in their work to learn the techniques. While I was going through the therapy, it was real therapy. My therapist asked me some questions and we got in some areas and one of the, one of the chief areas that I was struggling with was, uh, with, with understanding scripture, making it real in my life, and then also dealing with some personal stuff of my own. So he gave me a homework assignment. He said, I want you to pick a passage of scripture, you choose whichever one you want, and I want you to journal about that passage of scripture, but I want you to put yourself in the setting. I want you to use your imagination, And I want you to be part of the story. And bring it back next week. So this is what I wrote. What are you thinking, Joseph? She has betrayed you. You have loved her and honored her and worked all these many months to prepare a home for her. And how does she repay you? She sluts around and gets pregnant. Joseph is so quiet. His answer comes after much deliberation. I'm crushed. I love her. How could she do this to me? I try to console him, but he asks me to leave him alone. So I go to my room and I get ready for bed. I am furious. How could Mary have done this to Joseph of all people? I mean, he loves her. He trusted her. I am so angry. I almost feel betrayed for him. The next morning at breakfast, Joseph and I are again talking. But something's different this time. He's filled with a a sense of peace and, and wonder. There's almost a glow about him. And as he sits at the table, I notice this change in his countenance from last night. And as he sits down with his cup of coffee, I ask him what's going on. And he looks up at me and just stares for a few seconds, saying nothing. When he speaks, there's a sense of wonder showing even in the tone of his voice. Joseph tells me that he went to bed very troubled. He tossed and turned most of the night when he finally did fall asleep. He was suddenly awakened. He's not sure if it was really him waking up or if it was just a dream. But something happened and standing before him at the foot of the bed was this beautiful, huge man with powerful wings resting against his back. There was a a glow that radiated from this guy. This man, Joseph relates, was an angel from God. He told Joseph to stop worrying about What Mary did to him. He assured Joseph that what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel told Joseph that all of this was God's plan and that he shouldn't be afraid to take Mary into his home as his wife. As Joseph relayed this to me, I sat there incredulous. Joseph, you are such a jerk. Can't you tell this isn't real? Oh, an angel from heaven telling you that God screwed around with your fiancé. Wake up and smell the coffee, fellow. Mary is a slut. She's caught now. And you're playing the fool. I know it must hurt. But don't ruin your life, man. You're lucky you found out now that you can't trust her. I know it's going to be hard. I know you're going to go through some pain. But come on, Joseph, she betrayed you. Can't you see this for what it is? Joseph just sat there, staring into his cup. I know he was torn. He wanted to believe the vision, but he also knew what I said made sense. We sat there for quite a while. Joseph was... Just stirring his coffee with his spoon. I could tell he was struggling with his emotions. He is so torn up. I have never seen him in so much pain. I want to go over to him and wrap my arms around him and help him to get through this, but I can't. No matter how desperately I want to, I can't. I love Joseph like a brother. I can't stand to see him hurt like this. But for some reason, I know that he has to resolve this for himself. We sat there most of the morning. I made a fresh pot of coffee and we sat. I washed the dishes and I cleaned up the kitchen and we sat. I feel so helpless. Joseph is just sitting there and staring. I wish there was something I could do to make his pain go away. God, this is so unfair, and I am so angry right now. How could all this pain be in your plan? Can't you see how tormented Joseph is over all of this? He is such a righteous man. I can't think of anyone else who loves you more. How could you allow this to happen? Almost immediately after my prayer was said, Joseph looked up. He looked right at me, and I could tell he had come to a decision. He was smiling. I don't understand how he could smile, but there he is, just smiling. Finally, he said, Bob, I've made my decision. I trust God. And I trust Mary. I don't know how, and I don't know if I ever will know how. But I believe Mary hasn't betrayed my love. I believe this child is God's. A miracle has happened. There's there's just something about his face and, and the tone of his voice and the deliberateness of his conviction that convinces me that this is true. Joseph says, I'm going over to Mary's house. I want to talk with her about all that's happened. Bob, will, will you come with me? Sure, I said. So we left for Mary's house. <laughs> it was amazing. Joseph had been so despondent last night, and then this morning, he was confused, but now, now he walked with confidence. This was the Joseph I knew and loved, happy, almost joyful. He was convinced that this was all in God's plan, and we were going to Mary's house to let her know it was okay. When we arrived, we were greeted by Benjamin, Mary's father. He had an odd look on his face as we approached. It was almost as if he was studying Joseph's face, like he was trying to read Joseph's expression, it's no wonder he was concerned. I mean, he's, his only and beloved daughter was pregnant out of wedlock. and He tried to believe Mary's story at first, but it was just so incredible. And then finally, after a long, serious talk with her, Benjamin was convinced that Mary had been faithful. He believed that the situation was indeed a work of God. The problem he was now facing was whether or not Joseph would be willing to believe the story. But very quickly, however, Benjamin's fears were allayed. Joseph greeted Benjamin heartily. They embraced, and then we all went inside. Benjamin offered us seats and then called for refreshments. And as we sat and visited, Joseph related the story of the angelic visitation to Benjamin. Benjamin sat quietly, absorbing every word Joseph spoke. And when Joseph told him of his decision to honor Mary and take her as his wife... Benjamin let out a deep sigh of relief. He asked Joseph if he wanted to go to Mary in the backyard. and Joseph quickly agreed and left the two of us to, f- <clears throat> to find and reconcile with his true love. Out of respect, I stayed with Benjamin in the living room while Joseph went outside. The following is what Joseph later told me about his meeting with Mary. When Joseph got outside, he found Mary in the four, far corner of the backyard. She was seated on a bench near the flower garden. As Joseph approached from behind, he could hear her prayer. Through her tears, she said, God in heaven, I am your willing servant. I will go where you want. I will do what you want, even if it means it means losing Joseph's love. I don't understand why you've chosen me, but I, I gladly place my life in your hands regardless of the outcome. Joseph stood there a moment without saying a word. He was so deeply moved by her pain and also by his deep love for her, and finally, gently, he called to her. Mary was startled to realize someone was in the garden with her, and she quickly wiped her eyes and turned to face Joseph. She hoped for the best, but was prepared in her heart for whatever might happen. Joseph, with his voice full of the depth of his emotion, spoke first. Mary, I love you, I believe you, and I want to marry you. Mary fell into his arms, and she was almost afraid to speak, fearing that this was just a dream. But as she felt the strength of her beloved's arms envelop her, she realized this was no dream. The two of them stood there, wrapped in each other's arms for a long time. The next things happened so quickly, I was a little stunned. Joseph and Mary came into the house, and Joseph told Benjamin that he was prepared to take Mary home with him that very moment Benjamin agreed that it was the best thing to do. Although we were convinced that the child in Mary's womb was God's child, it would be best to let the community think that it was Joseph's. By Mary moving into Joseph's home, the wagging tongues in Nazareth would have no reason to think ill of Mary or Joseph. It would just be considered a wedding night conception. We gathered Mary's belongings. We loaded them up into a cart. Benjamin came along with us to help move the belongings, and after all was done, Mary and Benjamin shared a brief but beautiful moment as she left her widowed father to be joined to her husband. (sighs) I'm exhausted. This has been a physically and emotionally tiring day. My best friend in the whole world has made a life-changing and God-honoring decision. His new bride is the picture of purity, and I've learned a great lesson in faith, and trust. In all, it's been a good day. We read in Matthew chapter 1 and then in Luke chapter 1 about a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl an 18 or 19 year old man some people say maybe Joseph was older but it doesn't make any difference these were real people with real lives and real feelings and they did not know the end of the story all they knew was that they were trying to follow what they knew to love the Lord their God with all of their heart with all of their mind with all of their strength to be holy and righteous people to do what was necessary to bring honor to God. That was their purpose. And they were asked to do seemingly the impossible. And it meant literally giving up their hopes and their dreams. Everything that they had thought about. Can you imagine 14 year old Mary who's engaged? What she must've daydreamed about having her first child with her husband and sharing that intimate home with her family as they grew, the kids little by little, stair-stepping up. And it was all changed in an instant because an angel came and said, are you willing to follow God's plan? And it seemed so hard that God would ask anyone to do that. But you see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then as we heard read this morning in 1 John chapter 4, we heard about perfect love. We've heard that love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. And then in verse eighteen, chapter four, verse of first John, it says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been made perfect in love. And and as I reflected on that phrase, perfect in love, being perfected, I thought about that. In Joseph's and Mary's case, they were perfected in their love for God, in their love for each other, Because they were willing to set aside themselves for the good of the other. And to me, that's agape. That's what it truly is. To love so much and in such a way that you set aside your own for the other. And that's what the greatest commandment is. God asks you, do you love me with all of your being? all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. That literally means every single part of you. Are you willing to say, I love you with all of it? We talked this morning in the the Sunday school with with the teenagers about the idea of having hopes and dreams only to have God say, I have a different plan. Are you willing, I asked the teens, do you love God enough that you would be willing to say, okay, I'll set aside my dreams, I'll set aside my desires, my hopes, to do what you want. It's not an easy thing to do. But it is the right thing to do. And that's the story that we need to carry with us, this Sunday of love. Do you love God enough that if God were to ask you to completely give up everything that you had hoped and dreamed for to follow God's plan, God's will, God's purposes, how easy would it be for you to say yes to that? Because, as we heard in Mary and Joseph's part. It wasn't an easy thing for them. In the short Bible passage, it just seems, oh, sure. But in reality, there was heartache. There was fear. There was pain. There was feelings of betrayal. There was feelings of doubt. All of the emotions, all of the roiling, all of the... uh, but they had to focus on God and press through and process through all of that blah, to come to the point where they were willing to say, I don't understand it all. I don't. It doesn't make sense to me, but ultimately, yes, God, yes, I love you with all that I am, regardless of the cost. I love you, and I will follow your lead. Let's pray.